for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. Amen. Please take your seats. And uh, before we do our Bible reading, we're going to do something a little bit different this morning. Um, I'm going to get you to use your imagination. Hands up if you've got an imagination. Some are not sure whether they've got an imagination or not, which is rather worrying. (laughs) Okay, so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to all shut our eyes, uh, if you can do that. There's nothing weird or wonderful going to happen to you, so don't worry. You're safe in the house of God. Uh, You're safe if you just shut your eyes. Don't go to sleep. And I want you to, uh, as you shut your eyes, (laughs) see some of you are struggling to shut your eyes, just shut your eyes, shut your eyes, yeah, and picture the scene. There's a great crowd, including you, following Jesus. And you're coming out of the city of Jericho. And you're in the crowd and it's hot. It's dusty. It's busy. Children are running around and playing. Adults are talk, 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 talk. Discussing what's going on. And Jesus is up in front. And he is on the move. And you're right in the middle of the crowd, and the sun's beating down, it's hot and it's sticky, very little air. Then you hear two guys shouting out in the distance, and they're shouting, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. And you hear yourself suddenly with the rest of the crowd say, Quiet, quiet. And then you hear Jesus. And he's speaking to the blind men. Just picture the scene. And he's saying to them, what do you want me to do for you? And they, these blind men, shout back, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. And as you continue to look on in the scene that you can see, you see Jesus bending down with compassion And he touches their eyes. And now you see the joy of the two men because they are seeing for the first time. And their crying out has worked. Now still with your eyes closed, listen, just listen, as Jesus picks you out in the crowd and asks you this morning, and what do you want me to do for you? And now I want you to cry out in your mind and respond to him and say, Lord, that my eyes may be opened. Because that's our prayer this morning, that as we begin to read this passage of Scripture, that our eyes may be 
opened. The psalmist said, open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your word. It's possible to come to church and see nothing. But if you can get your eyes open this morning, then you will have vision for the rest of your days. You can see not only where you are, but you can see where you are going. So, if you haven't fallen asleep, open your eyes and thank God for your vision this morning. Physical vision, but not only physical vision, but spiritual vision, future vision, current vision. And God will speak to us this morning as we read this uh, particular story on Palm Sunday from Matthew chapter 21. And we're going to read uh, 17 verses. That story, that situation I got you to, to get yourself into was the exact few verses just before this, this chapter. That was chapter 20. Just before they drew near to Jerusalem, and they came to Bethage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says to you, you shall say, says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly, sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. They brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them, and set him, Jesus, on them, And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when they had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who, brought, who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it into a den of thieves. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, and them saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were happy? No, they were indignant, and said to him, Do you, or said to them, or said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected Praise. Then he left them and went out of the city to Bethany and he lodged there. And God will bless, as he always does, the reading of his word. We're beginning 
Holy Week. And we are celebrating the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. Less than a week away from his death and his crucifixion. And we're in what the devil thought was the end game. But actually, for God, it was just the end of the beginning. (laughs) The beginning of the new covenant of grace. The devil thought, this is it. I'm going to get him. I've got him backed into a corner. And God said, it's all part of my perfect plan. But for Satan, everything was in place. Judas was primed, ready to rebel. The Pharisees, they were ready too. Chief priests and the elders, they had had enough of this guru roaming around Israel and Judea, Samaria, healing, forgiving people and taking away what they thought were the eyes, people's eyes, away from the laws of God. So they had their plots planned and Pilate was in place and even the donkey and the colt, they were ready to go too. And here comes Jesus, the main man, towards Jerusalem once more. Now, he'd been up to Jerusalem many times, but this time it was different. This was his time. This was his time of obedience, going towards the cross, setting his face like a flint to go to the cross. Because in life, obedience and timing is everything. Before, on some occasions, he had said, my time's not yet come, but not in this time. He knew his time had come, fully come. And they drew near, and they came to the Mount of Olives, a mount full of olive trees. And he sent two disciples to go and borrow a donkey and a colt. And when you begin to see the preparation and the detail in this story, you see how God is interested in every single detail of life. My life, your life. Nothing is unimportant. Nothing is unarranged. Nothing is left to chance. All the boxes of the prophetic words were coming to pass. Tick, tick, and tick. And so the disciples go off to borrow the donkey and the colt. And that in itself was fulfilling. Zechariah 9 verse 9. Rejoice, O greatly. We read it. O daughter of Zion, shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation. Lowly and riding on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. I wonder if you know that Jesus fulfilled over 300 prophecies when he came to this earth. In his life, and in his death, and in his birth. And they tell me, and we've got a slide of this, because I'm going to find it difficult to explain it to you. Uh, They tell me that one person, just one person fulfilling eight prophecies, is one in a hundred, and then all these zeros at the top there. That is the chance of one person fulfilling eight prophecies. And then if you look at one person in the second part, one person fulfilling 48 prophecies, six times eight, is one chance in 10 to the 157th power. Now, I'm not a mathematician, but that's no chance. (laughs) One chance in 10 to the 157th power. Now, 
The chance of somebody fulfilling 300, over 300 prophecies is only Jesus. However hard you try to tick some boxes, it's just impossible. You can't choose where you're going to be born. And all sorts of different things like that. And so don't ever think God is not organized and God's not planned and he's ill-prepared. Nothing, nothing happens by chance. He's never caught out or surprised or thinking, oh, they've done this. Oh, what am I going to do? Nothing surprises him. And so Jesus sends the disciples to pick up his transport. And he gives them a password. You know how when you sometimes you go to a place to pick something up, you have a password or you go to your bank account, cash in the wall, you have a number or whatever. Well, he gives to the disciples a password. And the password is, the Lord has need of it. That's the code. So he sends these two disciples off to get this donkey in a cold. And they've got in their mind, I've got the password. So they come to where the donkey and the colt is, and they say, the Lord has need of it, and it's released. And I remember when my brother uh, Jim, who some of you have met and many, many years ago, he was moving from the UK over to America, and he was selling his car. It was, I think from memory, a two-year-old Saab, a really nice car. He invested a lot of money into it, thought it all through, and looked out what the best car was. Well, you know how you do, you do all that sort of thing. And he had done this, it's most efficient and so forth. And he bought this Saab, and then the Lord called him to America, and he had this car that he had to sell. And after a little while, he hadn't sold it. And meanwhile, about 200 miles away, Ray and Nancy are praying for a car. And uh, they, were, they needed a new car because they were doing a lot of miles and the, the car they had had run up a, a lot of miles and they needed a new car. And uh, that hadn't happened either. Somehow that car hadn't arrived. So, the, so Jim's praying about his car would sell. Nancy and Ray's praying that their car would arrive. And one day Ray who's passed away now, but he was praying and the Lord pointed this verse out to Ray and the Lord said particularly to Ray, go to Jim, my brother, and say to him, the Lord, (laughs) I'm laughing because I know Jim, Um, (laughs) the the Lord has need of it, okay? And uh, if if, uh, you're thinking, well, what's the problem with that? Well, you just think if I came to you and said, your car, the Lord has need of it, you know. And you think, hey, wait a minute, let me just check this. The devil is a liar. (laughs) And and so he he phoned up. And in his mind, the Lord has said, the Lord has need of it, and you need to loose it and let it go, Jim. And Ray, who is Jim's brother-in-law, my brother-in-law, or was, Hated, hated the idea of doing that, as I would and you would probably. And maybe how the disciples were hating the idea of going looking for a donkey and saying, the Lord has need of it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah I want to borrow this donkey. Anyway, Ray phones, gets his heart in his mouth, and he phones Jim. And he says, how's the car? You know, the car, you're selling the car. And you know when you want to say something to somebody and you talk all around the houses, but you, ne- 
<laughs> you know that car? What color is it? It's white. Yeah. What is it? It's a Saab. Yeah. 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 And he talked round and round and round the subject of the car. And Ray, uh, sorry, Nancy's in another room. She's praying fervently, Lord, give us this car. Lord, you know this is the car for us. And soften Jim's heart. Give Ray the courage. And the phone goes down. He comes back into the room. And Nancy says, well, and I didn't really get around to it. <laughs> uh, so, and he, he felt so disappointed and frustrated with himself. And I don't know whether this is because the Lord prompted him again or whether Nancy had his arm up his back. But the phone was lifted again. And he said to Jim, you know, Jim, when I phoned you before, yeah. He says, well, to be honest with you, uh, I just feel the Lord's told me to say, yeah, uh, the, the Lord told me, give me this verse, and I don't quite get it and understand it, but he told me to say to you, the Lord has need of it. And to his amazement, and to be honest, my amazement, and probably Jim's amazement, <laughs> he heard the answer come back, you take the car. And Jim loosed it, and let it go. And I wonder, just that little story of the donkey, that little story of the car, the sab, I wonder if there's anything in your life that is so tied up, so tied up and bound up, that if a representative from God came calling and said, can I let it go? Because I have need of it. I wonder if he, you would lose it and let it go. Now what's interesting in the story is many years later, probably a couple of years ago, Nancy physically had to let Ray go. Not a silly car, but she had to let lay the love of her life, married over 40 years, she had to let loose him and let her go. And I remember about two or three hours before Ray died, she was on the phone to me talking about things. And she said, Jack, I really don't want to see him this ill. I'd rather he just went than be this ill. And I believe that was the moment. Ray was untied. And mentally, emotionally, spiritually, she let him Go. She loosed him, and he went to his master just as the donkey and the colt did. Obedience is everything. Corrie Ten Boom said, Hold everything in your hands lightly, otherwise, it hurts when God has to pry open your fingers to get what you're holding so tightly. Everything we have, everything in your life, Everything in my life is by God's grace. Everything. They are his gifts to you. You're sitting next to perhaps his gift to you. But you need to treasure them. But remember, they're not yours. You are a custodian of them. Actually, you will give an account for them. Wow. How you invested them, how you took care of them, 
but they're not yours. Children, ultimately, are not yours. Physically, one day, you have to let them go. Naked, we arrive here, and naked, we leave here. So number one point, everything is the master's, and one day the Lord may have need of it. Number two point, obedience, our title, is everything. You see, Ray summoned up the courage and went to speak to Jim. The disciples summoned up their courage and went and collected the donkey. Because disciples, true disciples, do what is commanded of them. Remember what we looked at last week? Commandment was go. And for these two disciples, the command was go into the village. After a few weeks, he would instruct them by the power of the Spirit to go into where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and ultimately into all the world. And your faith and your obedience is developed. It's a step at a time. Jerusalem, where you are. Judea, a bit wider. Samaria, even wider. The world, everywhere. And as human beings, often we want to overreact. And we get, we think, yeah, I want to obey Jesus. And our pride says, well, go wherever. You know, China or whatever. And God says, no, I just want you to take a baby step, actually. <laughs> You've been born again. You're a toddler. And a toddler takes tiny steps gradually, slowly. So never rush ahead in your walk of faith. Take gradual and faithful steps. And God's given you some steps now to take. But you want to do a hundred times what God's called you to do. And God said, no, just take these steps. Don't try and raise a million pounds when you can't raise ten quid. Don't go to China when you're struggling to go down the street. Sometimes we want to forget Jerusalem and we want to miss out Samaria and we want to go to the world. But be obedient right where you are today. Well, I don't like them, but be obedient. Do what God calls you to do. In your situation now, in your circumstances now, in your condition now. You see, often we say, well, when they change, I'll change. When they get their act together, I'll respond to them. And they're thinking the exact same thing. When you change, they'll change. God says, be obedient now. So number one, everything is the master's, and one day the Lord may have need of it. Number two, obedience is everything. Number three, your obedience opens up the way for Jesus to make an entrance. Your obedience opens up the way for Jesus to make an entrance. So the disciples were obedient to Jesus. The disciples went in faith to get the donkey. The disciples asked for the donkey in obedience. They brought back the donkey. They put on their clothes on the donkey to make Jesus more comfortable. Then they followed Jesus into Jerusalem. And all the time they're instrumental in lifting Jesus up. And he made his entrance. And the crowds could worship him because they had been obedient. 
And maybe people aren't, aren't worshipping Jesus or coming to Jesus because we are not being obedient. But the disciples were. They obeyed. They lifted Jesus up so he could make an entrance as he came into Jerusalem. So the question is, are we acting in obedience or are we acting in disobedience? Only you can answer that. Because if you aren't obeying, then your friends don't ask the question, who is this? It's your obedience and it's your honoring Jesus in your life that will make people ask, who is this Jesus? And you can say as the multitudes responded and they said, this is Jesus. Oh, that Jesus. The supernatural Jesus, the saviour Jesus, the forgiving Jesus. Yes, that Jesus. This is Jesus and that's who I am obeying. That's who I am honouring. That's who I'm lifting up. And that's who all of us this Holy Week need to let enter into our lives. The ordinary people loved him. The religious people hated him. Really hated him. And he's coming into Jerusalem to die for the ordinary people so that they may become extraordinary people. He's coming into Jerusalem and he's got a fight beginning to happen because he's going to drive out the religious and the manipulators from his father's house. Have you ever noticed how the religious people, the religious spirit wants to take over the father's house? (laughs) The elder brother wanted to do that. He wanted to take that house, and now he's coming, and now I'm going to have to divide again. And the religious always want to take over and manipulate and put people into boxes and add on all sorts of baggage to their simple but profound relationship with God. But God wants his people free. He wants his creation back. He wants them in a relationship of prayer and of praise and of worship and grace. He wants a relationship where the only middleman is Jesus. Isn't that amazing? You can cut out all the middlemen. Not somebody else who's trying to get the worship that God should be having. So when the house of God is cleared, Jesus takes his rightful place. Amazing. Because he gets the place of honor. Because it all suddenly becomes about him. It's not of works, so nobody's boasting. It's not of intellect, so no one can feel superior. It's not of attendance, because no one can earn it. It's not of anything. It's grace. Given freely. Because it's about him and the price that he will pay at the end of this week. It's about him and what we have decided about him. What we will do with him. What do you want me to do with this Jesus? Do we obey him? Do we honor him? Do we hold what he gives us loosely? 
Do we facilitate him making an entrance into people's lives? Not Jerusalem this time, but into our Jerusalem, into our lives. Let me ask you in closing to do something. Just shut your eyes once again. We're back in the heat of Judea. The dusty streets. The crowds are all around. There's a throng. Jesus is in the temple. And he's creating havoc. He's pushing over tables. He's driving out the spiritual pushers. And the suppliers of false religion from his house. His father's house. And you wander in. Maybe just to spectate. Maybe just to pray a little bit. Maybe even to worship. Maybe even to hear God's voice. Do you hear his voice as he says, what do you want me to do for you? And before your shopping list is cried out, let me suggest to you that you could ask him instead, Lord, let me be obedient. Let me honor you. Let me share you. Let me drive the superficial and egotistical religious actions out of my life. Lord, let me be intentional in my walk with you. Do you know when we do that, what happens is signs and wonders begin to happen in your life. It's when the nonsense is driven out of our life and it's driven out of the church When it becomes all about him, the blind are healed, the lame walk, the captives are set free. You're in the temple and Jesus is in the house. He's there. Tell him what's in your heart. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And that's the word of God to each Christian here this morning. Now may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Thank you for your peace this morning. Lord, you're speaking into life this morning. You're touching hard hearts. You're forgiving where there's been unforgiveness. You're healing. And you're blessing. Just reach out. He's here. And he knows every detail. Every concern, every pain, every hurt, every desire, 
every vision, every goal, every aim. He's given you the desires of your heart. Not there by chance. Placed there in seed form. And for some people this morning, God wants to come along and just water that seed. You've got a desire to go into all the world. God's saying, let's start in Jerusalem. Let's start where you are. Let's be obedient here. For some of us, God's saying, you're holding ever so tightly onto that, whatever it is. I could be on my way to ask you to loose it and let it go. Obedience is everything. That's worship at its highest when we are obedient. When it's not just words, it's actions. So Father, we commit this word into people's lives this morning. It's been sown, Lord, in the soil of people's hearts and lives. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would water it that you would feed it and it would grow and grow and grow in this holy week. And as we go towards the end of the week, Lord, may it be a significant word that touches not just our life, but other people's lives too. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.